morning, morning, morning. Hey, listen, I'm so excited for this morning. Um, I was telling them in the volunteer meeting this morning that, uh, you know, each Sunday sometimes we get kind of caught up in the mundane, you know, and the 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 rituals of coming here on Sundays and doing that thing, and, and we forget that each, each Sunday is not just another Sunday. Like, sun, Sunday, when Sunday comes around, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a day for somebody's life to be changed. Not that it couldn't be changed Monday through Saturday, but we just come with anticipation that someone's life is going to be turned around. Maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, maybe that's me today, and I, I, I so hope so. Maybe you're listening online and you're like, man, I, man, I hope that my life is forever changed today, but... Um, we're in our last week, uh, our last week of our Steppin' series, and I know you're like, oh, that's a bummer. Uh, not really, I guess not. Everybody's excited. Thank God this, this series is over with. But, you know, we've said from the beginning that we are all called to the priesthood of Christ. No matter who you are in this room, you are called to the priesthood of Christ. And we've read this scripture from our friend Peter. Uh, every week, and, and here's what Peter says, but you are God's chosen treasure, and that should make you feel special. You have value to your creator. You have value to your creator. You are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience the marvelous light. Anybody been called out of the darkness? Experience the marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you, you would broadcast, let his message be known. He's broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time, you were not God's people, but now you are. That's something to celebrate. At one time, you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but you now but now you are drenched with, you are dripping. You came through dripping. You with me? That's some slang for meaning cool. And, and, uh, is that what it means, Courtney? Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Courtney. Hold on. Now you are drenched with it. You're covered. And so what we've talked about is the reason that we can get, get to stepping up to the mic to proclaim his name is we've realized the extent in which we've been forgiven. When we look back at our past and realize just how bad we really were, and for some of us really are, <laughs> we realize the extent in which we've been forgiven. We've experienced this grace, this, this grace that, that leads to God's forgiveness. But you see, like, grace isn't just God's forgiveness. It's God's empowerment to step into, do, into freedom what, with what Christ has called you to do. And I don't know... I don't know about you guys, but when I, when I realize that it's this grace that causes me to step out of the boat and unlearn my perceived limitations, it's this very grace that shows me that much like Peter, even though I may, I may, I may, like, I may, may fail daily, I may deny him daily, he still says, I choose you. It's this same grace. Yeah, it's this same grace that leads me to take a risk, to take bold risks because we serve a big God. It's this same grace. That shows me that I, I can't contain it anymore. That I have, I have to step out blazing. Like we talked about last week. Like when we've experienced what we've experienced. When we've been forgiven like we've been forgiven. We can't contain it. We can't hold it back anymore. We can't. But what happens is, is when we begin to step out on that. 
when we begin, when we begin to, to, to step out and take big risks, when we, step, when we step out to proclaim the message that our enemy tries to get us to, to, get us to give up. Like he wants you to give up on things that are precious. He wants you to quit. The enemy will tempt you to quit every significant thing that you do. But the question this morning is this. What are we giving up when we give up? What are we giving up when we listen to the enemy and we give up? When we step back, we say we're not going to do that. And I don't know about you guys, but I've decided that, and I hope that you will too, that come hell or high waters, Satan, you'll never take me back to where I once was. Never, never. You'll never take me back to the the place I was before. I've been through too much to let life whip me again. My faith is stronger than it's ever been. And my soul is more absolute. And here's why. Because in me, because there is revival in me. There is revival in me and in you. I'm not giving up because there's life. It's time for us to take this revival to the world because I'm tired of us just singing songs to each other. It's time for us to sing songs to the world, to your world. You're like, Derek, I can't go to China. You're right, but you can go to Lowe's. Yeah. You can go to First Horizon. You can go to the barbershop. You can go where you name your world. 6010 Easton Drive. Now you know where I live. Sorry, babe. Everybody knows where we live now. What is your world? Are you letting your song play for the Are you letting your revival that's inside of you play out? Because I'm sick and tired of us just singing songs together and to each other. But today we're going to look, we're going to get back to Peter. Last week we let Peter have a break of talking so negative about Peter, right? Talking about all the bad stuff. So we're going to get back to Peter today. But if but for today, you, you need to know that the word revival in regards to Scripture, if you look at the word revival in the Greek and Hebrew, this is exactly what revival means. Revival means to bring back to life. Restore to consciousness. There's something sleeping in you. Rejuvenation. Restore to previous condition. This is my favorite one, this next one. To be made alive again. To be made alive again. And we're going to look at the first revival ever recorded in the Bible. So Jesus has just died. He has risen from the grave. Remember, he appeared to Peter on the shore and said, Peter, do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. He says, it says that three times to cover up the three times that, uh, that, that Peter denied him. Right? Remember when he cussed out that teenage girl? How rude. All right? He appeared to Peter on the shore and has ascended with a promise that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And listen, listen to what happens. If you've been around church, you know this story, but we're going to look at it from a little bit different angle. You ready? Acts 2, verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, which Pentecost Sunday was last week, y'all. On the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. All the disciples were, be, were gathered in one place. They were in unity because you can't do life alone, especially ministry alone all the disciples were gathered in one place suddenly they heard a sound of a violent of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from from out of the heavenly realm 
The roar of the, of, of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. You ever been in one of those storms? Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before, the, before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each of them. They were filled and equipped. And here's a little interesting thing about filled and equipped. And you look, if you look in the Greek, Greek language, that the word, there's two words there that, that are used for filled. For field. That's why they use filled and equipped in the passage. Because one is this palero, which means to be filled inwardly. Right, so to be filled inwardly and equipped with, with is is this like it almost looks like a, I can't pronounce it because I'm not very good at it, but it's almost like paleo, but it's paleo, which which means to be to be outwardly equipped. So when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they were not only filled inwardly, but they were filled externally. They were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues. Empowered by the Spirit to speak in tongue, speak in languages they had never learned. When we step out, we step out already equipped. Because as believers in Christ, when you say, because I know they think, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I have the words to say. I don't know if I have the technique to say. I don't know, Derek. I can't. You, have you listened to me the last few weeks? I'm a blubbering mess. You with me? But when you, when, when you follow the Holy, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are filled inwardly and equipped outwardly to do exactly what he has called you to do. Even if it seems a little weird. Even if it seems a little undignified. When we step out, we're already equipped. I don't feel like I have the tools, Derek, to start a revival in my world. Well, you are equipped with the same spirit. And revival always begins by being equipped with the Holy Spirit. Because I think too often sometimes churches and we as believers, we, we try so hard on our own abilities to make things move instead of trusting the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Revival always begins by being equipped with the Holy Spirit. The revival in your world has to begin with the promptings of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that has brought you to life. That's why our, our friend Paul would write to the, to the Roman church, he would write this in Romans 8.1, he would say, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. That's the being filled inwardly by the Holy Spirit. You are cleansed from the inside. You no longer have... You're no longer viewed with a sinful heart because you have Jesus in you. It has liberated you from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish. And this is really interesting. I love talking about this part because, listen, you can't fix you. You with me? Like, I don't care how good you are or how good you think you are. If you follow every, every period and every exclamation point of the law, you do everything right, guess what? It's not good enough because Paul just tells us that God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish. That's why it's by faith alone are you saved, not by works so that no one may boast, Ephesians says. Because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. <laughs> You're weak, bro. 
Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Isn't it great we have a God who knows exactly how we feel? He's not some guy who just creates us and says, you know what, do, do what you can. No, he, he, wanted to, he, he, he knows how we feel. He knows, he knows our weaknesses. And he goes on to say, clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin, sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So that's all the inwardly, filled with the Holy Spirit, inwardly cleansed, filled. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living, uh, living his life in us. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. This is where we get close, the equipped part. The outward, like you're equipped. Verse 5 says this, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits them, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities, for the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life. What are you being controlled by? What are you being controlled by? Just because it's the Holy Spirit that gives life, you can find no other life than being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And revival to bring back to life is impossible. If you can only find life through the Holy Spirit, revival can't start without life. Because revival, remember, means to be brought to life again. Revival. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us. You know, earlier when I, in the minute ago when I said that, you know, he has died, he has risen, he, he's appeared before his disciples, and he promised that there would be one to come. This is the verse that we're talking about. Acts 1, 8 says, but I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be seized with power. Not maybe. You might be seized with power. Not, you know, not like, well, if you do all the right things, you'll be seized with No. You will be seized with power, and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem. But the, so the question becomes, what message are you delivering? You will be my messengers to Jerusalem through Judea, to the distant providences, even to the re- remotest places on the earth. You're like, Derek, how is this even possible? How is this, like, like this is first century, like, the only world they know was, knew was within 50-mile radius of where they were standing, Right? Give or take a few miles. Like, that's their world. Like, how are we going to reach the uttermost places, of the, the most remotest places on the earth? It would be like us trying to witness on the moon. How are we going to get there? You know what I'm saying? Like, we know it's there. But how are we going to get there? But this verse means you will, you will go proclaim, taking the revival in you to others, and he will guide you in what to say and what to do, and who to speak to. And it begins in Jerusalem, your home, to Judea, your community, and to the ends of the world. Your world, where you live, work, and play. Live, work, and play. Let me show you what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. Watch this. I'm not going to do no magic trick, y'all. Okay. <laughs> Acts 2, 5. This is what the Holy Spirit do, does. Now, at that time, there was Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live, to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, because, this, because revival has a sound, not a noise. There's a lot of people making noise. There's a lot of people making noise, and noise is annoying. But a sound, 
like Kristen's voice. Hey, trying to help you out, Cody. Revival has a sound, and this sound attracts people. Like, people don't like you just because you're a Christian. You're probably making a noise. Or are you making a sound? When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it, where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening because each one, this is what the power of the Holy Spirit does, each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or own own language. It would be like me talking now and someone, someone in Mexico hearing me speak in Spanish, someone in France hearing me speak French. Like the, it was an amaz- amazing moment. Each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? Or in other words, aren't these all fools? Aren't these all unlearned men? Aren't Aren't these idiots? Aren't these all Galileans? So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own language? We are northeastern Iranian, northwestern Iranian. Elamites and all those in Mesopotamia, Judea, East and Central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey. These are a lot of places, y'all. Egypt, Libyans who, who are neighbors of, of Cyrene, visitors, uh, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet, yet we hear them speaking of God's mighty wonders in our own dialects. So not only languages, but dialects. Because if you go to Honduras and speak Mexican Spanish, they're not going to understand you. They're hearing them not only in their language, but in their own dialects. Talk about like turning that knob a little bit higher. That's like, you know, 10 on an amp. That's like 11 or 12. I wish there was a 12 on an amp. That'd be awesome. Verse, Verse 12, it says this. They all stood there dumbfounded and astonished, saying, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? What is this phenomenon? Here's the thing. Revival always has a sign of the supernatural. Revival always has a sound of the, of the supernatural. Like Derek, 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 Derek. We're in America. We don't believe that. We're in America. We don't believe in the supernatural. We're not into that spooky stuff. We're not into that weird stuff. And in, in, our, in our American Christianity, we, we often push the supernatural to the other side of the table. God doesn't work that way anymore. Apparently, you're not paying attention to the rest of the world. In America, we push that thing aside thinking, that no, we don't need that. We don't want that. Like, we, we just, we don't need that, Derek. Like, don't bring this stuff up. But Jesus himself said that those who are followers of him, this is Jesus' words found in Mark. In Mark 16, 17, he would say, and these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Who believes in here? Me. I'm a believer in Jesus. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. Woo! That's a little scary. They will, they, they will drive out demons in the, in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will, they, will, they will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. They will, they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. But I'm going to go back. I about went on to the next verse. Like, this is Jesus' words. That you will be empowered to do. That you'll be empowered to do. But for the amen section, we have to be careful because what we might perceive as mundane is also supernatural. 
someone's life forever being changed through salvation is supernatural. If you ever tried to make a sinner into a saint, it's impossible. That's supernatural. A believer following the fruit of the Spirit, that's supernatural. Just as much as speaking in tongues and healing people and throwing out demons. Even though that would be fun to watch. We have to be careful. It isn't always loud and boisterous. It can be a sinner coming to Christ. It can be a believer bearing fruit of the Spirit. It can be a gentle touch. But revival always has a sign of the supernatural. And if your life has been changed by the gospel of Jesus, there's supernatural work in you. Your heart has been cleansed. Acts 2, 13-36 is this. This is, this is uh, the, some of the people's response. But others poked fun at them and said, they're just drunk on new wine. And I don't know if y'all have ever had new wine, but I like older wine, the one that's been fermenting. Never mind, it's a joke. Dang it. Peter stood up, and stood up, stood up. Peter stood up with the eleven apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. Uh-oh. Is Peter going to put his foot in his mouth like he always does? Listen. These people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Come back in a few hours, maybe. But right now, it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what prophecy, what prophesied through the prophet Joel, for God says, this is what I will do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit. You'll be drenched with it. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men to see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, servants, men and women alike. That could get some emails. And they will prophesy. They will do what? Prophesy. I'll reveal I reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear for the sun will be turned dark and the moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Peter continues. People of Israel, listen to the facts. Jesus the victorious was a man on divine mission whose authority was clearly proven for you. For you know how God performed many, many powerful miracles, signs, and wonders through him. This man's destiny was prearranged, for God knew that Jesus would be handed over to you to be crucified, and that you would execute him on a cross by the hands of lawless men. Yet it was all part of his predetermined plan. God destroyed the cords of death and raised him up because it was impossible for death's power to hold him prisoner. This is the very thing David prophesied about him. I continually see the Lord in front of me. And I hope you're okay with the Bible because there's a lot of reading today. I can continually see the Lord in front of me. He is at my right hand and I am never shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and my, and my glory celebrates. My mouth is filled with, with his praises. And I have, I have hope that my body will live because you will not leave my soul among the dead. Nor will you allow your, your sacred one to experience decay. For you have revealed to me the pathways of life. And seeing your face fills me with Urepha. 
My fellow Jews, I can tell you, I can tell you there is no doubt that our noted patriarch has both died and been buried in his tomb, which remains to this day. He's talking about, he's talking about David there. Yeah, some people, there was this sect in Judaism that they thought this, that prophecy from David was talking about himself. But it's really just talking about Jesus. Okay? So it says, that's why he says, No doubt our, our noted patriarch has both died and been buried in a tomb which remains there today. So you can see that he was not referring to himself with those words. But as a prophet, he knew God's faithful promise made with God's unbreakable oath that one of his descendants will take his throne. So when peering into the future, David prophesied of a Messiah's resurrection. And God, God revealed to him that the Messiah would not be abandoned to the realm of death, nor would his body experience decay. Can you see it? Imagine being there in the audience and hearing that. Can you see it? God has resurrected Jesus, and, with, and, with, and we all have seen him. The, then God exalted him to the right hand upon the throne of the highest honor, and the Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured, poured out upon us today. This is what you're seeing and hearing. David wasn't the one who ascended into heaven, but the one who prophesied. The Lord Jehovah said to my Lord, I honor you by enthroning you beside me until I make your enemies a footstool beneath your feet. Now everyone in Israel can, can know for certain that Jesus, whom you crucified is the one God God has made both Lord and Messiah. You're like, Derek, why did you read all that? Because I wanted you to hear the message. I wanted you to hear the message, not only of what Jesus did, but also the fact, also the fact that, that revival always has a word. Revival always has a word, has a message. And what is that message? It's a, it was Peter's message there, that he died for your sins. He died for your sin and he rose again and he's sitting on the throne beckoning you to come. It always has a word. Revival always has a message that is preached, that is proclaimed, that is broadcasted in our world. You're like, Derek, what if I don't know the word very well? Well, that's okay. Because if you've been around here long enough, you know this. John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So what is the word? Jesus. You gotta tell people about Jesus. Not, I'm not saying that the Bible's not important because it is. That's how we get to know Jesus. But in the beginning was the Word. Revival has a Word. You need to tell, share your story of of what Jesus has done in your life, what the Word has done for you. In fact, Romans ten seventeen, Paul would write: Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the Word about Christ. The word about Christ. You may know that verse. There's a saying. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing of the word. That word is Jesus. Have you, are you telling your family and your friends. Those you live, work and play with. About the Jesus that saved your soul. Are you taking your revival. To your world. Listen to their response. To this word. When they heard. This, this, they were crushed and realized what they had done to Jesus. Deeply moved, they said to Peter and the other apostles, what do we need to do, brothers? Here's the thing. Here's the thing with this. Like, our message, our word that we share is never, never a word of condemnation. 
It's a word that draws people in. For even John 3, 17 says, For I did not come into the world to condemn the world, that through me the world may be saved. If Jesus didn't come here to condemn, it's not that time yet, then we don't need to go condemn those around us. It's a word of invitation. It's, it, should be, it should be a word that says, makes people say, what must I do to fix this? He said to Peter, what do we need to do, brothers? And Peter replied, repent and re- return to God. And each one of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus, the anointed one, to have your sins removed. Then you may take hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit. For God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your families, for those yet to be born and for everyone whom the Lord our God, with these words, be rescued from your wayward and perverse culture of this world. And those who believed the word that day, those the, the ones who believed Jesus that day, numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church because here's the deal revival always has a call to repentance always has a call to repentance if you want revival in you you're a believer you want revival in you then maybe there's some things in your life that you need to repent from so that you can live again that that thing that's dead in you can come can be brought back to consciousness revival always has a call to repentance you cannot have revival without repentance and what is repentance? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. That is repentance. All repentance is is you're walking in this direction away from God and you're turning around and seeking the face of Jesus. That's repentance. Saying, I'm not going to follow this life anymore. I'm going to follow you. That's the call to revival. We're about to start a summer revival series. Yes, you don't have to hear me every week. Praise the Lord, right, Josh? Here's the thing. It means nothing if we don't come here with repentant hearts. If we're not seeking the face of God. And you, you going and trying to share your story with the people that you wrote on this board here, means nothing if you have not repented and there's not revival in you. It means you turn from seeking a self-absorbed life and turn to seek the face of Christ. There is revival in you and in me and it's our job to do what Peter did here and not step that back, not to quiet down, but to trust the Holy Spirit. much as the enemy wants you to give up to quit we can't quit on what God has called us to do because revival is waiting don't quit on what God has called you to do he's calling you to repentance this morning so that you can live again not to condemn you, so that you can live again now as you go and speak to the people that's on this board or the name that you can write down after the service on this board you can live going let me tell you about this God who died for you. That rose from the dead, death, dead to give you to give you victory over sin, death, and the grave, and now sitting on the throne waiting for you to come home. Just like the prodigal son, you remember? He was waiting on the porch looking for his son. 
his son was just like, man, if I could just go eat this, if I could just go be a slave to my dad, it'd be good enough. And the dad saw him coming from afar off and went to run and went to sprint toward his son and gave him a robe, put the ring on his finger and revived him back to his original status. And that's what the Father wants to do for you and that's what the Father wants to do with those people you live, work, and play with. But it has to begin in you. Are you following the Holy Spirit? Are you being equipped with the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you listening to what He has for you? Because if you're not, then you're not ready for a revival. The revival always begins in us. It begins with us repeating of things we've done wrong and then following with the Holy Spirit because He's going to ask you to do some crazy things to bed. He may ask you to give that homeless guy off the corner 25 cents or a dollar. He may call you to make dinner for that, for, that, uh, for that family. He may ask you to put your hands on somebody and pray for them. He may ask you to, to pray for healing for somebody. He may ask you to do some things that makes you uncomfortable, but you are equipped with the revival in you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to pray this, this morning, God, that that revival begins to burn in us. As you, that you pour out your Holy Spirit onto us and that you, that you that, that let us feel like God calls us to get uncomfortable so that we can first repent of the things that we need to repent, repent of and then lead others to seek your face. May we just seek your face this morning. Because there's revival that needs to happen in this land that land meaning our hearts and the hearts of those around us I pray for our hearts here God that we, we have a fire that burns for you and I pray all this in your name